You guys is all right this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome. If it's your first time, we want to welcome you. If it's your hundredth time, we want to welcome you. If you've been here for the, your whole life, well, I want to welcome you. If you're going to die in here, I want to welcome you. <laughs> but I just want to welcome you this morning. It's going to be an amazing day. Amen. You know, there's something incredible when we come into the presence of God that even though worship's for Him, it does nothing to change Him. You might think that worship's for Him. Yep, it is. But it actually doesn't change God because God says He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So what's worship for? Worship's for you. Because as we lift our voices and as we lift our heart and we sing out to Him with pure hearts, that He exchanges Himself towards you. And so we, don't, we shouldn't take um, worship lightly. Because worship is where an exchange happened. And I pray that even through that moment of when, as we sing, um, as, saying, as the dare, I exalt you, that there was an exchange with you between you and the Father. That he did something um, massive and incredible within you so that when you walk out here, you're not going to be the same. That it's not my words that changes you. It's the Holy Spirit that changes things within you. And so um, it's been an incredible week. How's everybody enjoying like the 21 days prayer and fast? It's been amazing. It's day seven. And um, if you've read day seven or haven't read day seven, it's basically talking about never stop building. That even throughout the 21 day fast, we're going to do go through build. That's what that was this week. Next week is reach. The following week is increase. But I pray that you won't stop at the 21 days. That the 4th of April won't be the end, but it'll be the beginning of something great. Amen. Um, and so um, I've had a great week going over the devotion. Uh, it's kind of weird because I wrote the, um, the build devotion, so it was kind of hard for me to be honest with myself because I was being honest while I was writing it for you. Um, <laughs> so um, it was quite hard trying to like write devotion down, but I did write down my thoughts when I wrote it. And so um, I pray that it encouraged you throughout the week. Did it encourage you the build? Okay, two people. Amen. Uh, if two people agree with me, I'm a sweet ass. <laughs> um, but today, I'm going to um, go over like the past seven days, and I'm going to hone in two things this morning. And um, if you're writing notes, I encourage you to write notes. Write it on your phone, write it on your iPad, tablet, laptop, or pen and paper if you're old-fashioned. That's all good. Um, and it's, the title of my message is called Build My Life. Build My Life. Over the past seven days, our devotions for prayer and fast have been around the pillar of build. So the first day was build my life, then build with intention, build inside out, build with balance, build with all things, build with God, and never stop building. Woo! I'm excited by myself. You know, each day, like from day one to today, has been personal. Did you notice that like, church wasn't part of it? Ministry wasn't part of it. It was all about you. It was all about me. A problem that Christians tend to face is being concerned with the world first before themselves. Have you noticed when someone gets saved? I know I've done it, got saved, and all you want to do is conquer the world, but first you haven't conquered yourself. And so we tend to lean towards the, oh, well, let's, I want to bring people to Christ, but you haven't came to Christ. Yeah, we accepted them, cool, but there's this journey that takes place and, and through the build pillar, that was all about it, about drawing us closer to God each day. 
drawing us closer to God, understanding things about ourselves. So what I mean by concerned with the world first, I mean this. We get so caught up with building our career, building our family, building our ministry, or even our community, that the person that actually misses out is you. Let's be honest. Like, if you're a mom or dad, you, you're so focused on building your family, but you forget about yourself. We're pastors, and they so concerned about the world, but they forget about themselves. And we wonder why people leave church and people leave God, because they haven't built this first. I was that same person, so concerned about ministry, so concerned about other things, that the reason why I left God wasn't on God, it was on me, because I didn't focus on me first. And it sounds weird to say, focus on you first, but that's the truth. Jesus didn't start just ministry when he was born. He waited 30 years. We get so caught up in like, I want to fulfill my purpose, and Christ waited 30 years to the right time. 30 years. We complain after six months. We complain after years, and we're like, oh, but the pastor's not using me. Hang on. How about you just focus on you? I've been in training, at like, even though I caught a pastor, but I've been in training for the last 18 years. 18 years. People might go, are oh, you crazy? You could have gone to somewhere else. I could have. Easy. But I wouldn't have grown, because this is where I'm supposed to be growing, you know? And what we miss out when we come to, like, the, the pillar of build, and that's why this year we focused on, like, let's build you first. Because if we, we can build you first, you can build everything around you. We tend to go do so great outside. So we do so great outside these four walls, but inside we're lonely. Am I talking to anybody? Like, inside you're lonely. Inside you're broken. Inside you're struggling. Inside you don't know who you are. Because all you've known is that I'm here for church, I'm here to help with the music team or here to do whatever in ministry, but you actually don't know who you are. I like the movie this week, um, if you were in Connect Group, I encourage you to connect to a Connect Group. about the, it's a, We're going through the study of Overcomer. And the question is asked, who are you? A, a coach gets asked, who are you? And he says, I'm a father. Yeah, yeah, but who are you? Well, if you take all your labels of life, away who are you and the majority of the time i can tell you right now christians don't even know who they are because they're so concerned about ministry ministry is not everything and ministry is not end or be all being in church is not end or be all it's just part of life it's just part of the journey but to build we first need to do this in here because god's not god doesn't care about the appearance of man but he cares about the heart and if the heart's not right how can we change the outside but we're so quick to change the outside before we change our heart. And we wonder why, God, why is this not marrying up? It's because your heart's not towards mine. I'm not telling you off. I'm telling me off. <laughs> it's not about, it's how, it's, build is all about being honest. Being honest. I, I'm done with Christianity. The word Christianity, I'm done with. I'm done with just attending church. Hence the reason why, like, oh, but, if, if I wasn't holding together, I'd be crying right now. Because God's presence is so real in my life that you just can't escape it. I remember walking away from God, and I still couldn't escape it. It doesn't matter how high or in the valleys or in the, in the mountaintops, God's with you. 
And you're probably a testimony of that. That in, even in your downtrodden areas of your life, you feel like God's still with you. And I want to tell you that now, He is still with you. He will never leave you, He will not forsake you. He forsook His Son so that He will never forsake you. This is not even my word. But yep, okay. <laughs> but I want to repeat, uh, can you repeat these statements? I put these statements up on, on, on screen. Um, just something that we can declare together. Um, can we go to the first? God wants me to be whole. Let's say that, say that together. One, two, three. Next slide. One, two, three. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. <laughs> I had God, 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 then I am. <laughs> I am God's masterpiece. But how can you know that about yourself if you don't build yourself? We're so quick, like, churches do it all the time. I know that because I've done that, and I hear it a lot. Oh, man, God's for you. But we say it, but we actually don't believe it because we haven't built that in ourselves. The reason why Paul could do the things that he could do is because he built himself. The reason why he said, said things he said was it was because it was in him already. The reason why Christ could do what he could do is because he spent alone with God so that he could build within. Because even though he was God, he was still human. The same things that we face today is the same thing that he faced. But he first built himself. And today I want us to focus on me, on you. So the first thing, as you probably know this, this um, say, build with intention is the first point. It's something that you went through this week with build with intention. Intention means done in a way that is planned or intended. I'll say that again. Intention means done in a way that is planned or intended. Other words for intention is aim, purpose, or goal. Aim, purpose, or goal. So build with aim, purpose, and a goal. Build with purpose, build in a way that is planned and intended. When God created man, there was intention behind it. For every person that thinks that they're an accident, you're not. God intended it. Whether your parents intended it or not, God intended it. When God created the heavens and earth, there was intention behind it. He didn't just plant a tree for tree's sake, but he planted it because it was oxygen for our lungs. There's more to what he planted. There was intention behind it. It wasn't just willy-nilly. He didn't just plant things in the garden. He didn't just put stars in the sky for nothing. It was for a purpose, for an aim, for a goal. And Genesis 1.26 says this. Listen to this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to their likeness. Let them have what? dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God over-explains here. <laughs> You'll notice when he's doing creation, he over-explains because he just wants you to know what you have dominion over. That we allow things in our lives to take dominion over us, but you actually have dominion over that very thing. And we need to live life that we have, like we have dominion because you do have dominion because you have Christ within you, the hope of glory. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every little thing that moves on the earth. <sighs> That's everything. That's everything. If your problems are here on earth, you have dominion over them. Do you think it's only just creation? It's things that you created. The problems that you've created, you have dominion over. But for some reason, the problems that we face, we go, oh, that has dominion over me. But it doesn't. Because in Genesis, it tells you you have dominion over everything that creeps on this earth. There was an intention by, behind why God created us. It was to worship him through having dominion. It was to worship him through having dominion over the earth and filling the earth with his presence. See, that I don't know if you know, but where God created man, man was in the Garden of Eden. You probably heard this before, but the Garden of Eden means the presence of God. So man were created in the presence of God. But there was boundaries to the presence of God. It was a garden. But then he says, fill the earth. Wouldn't it be better if God just filled the whole earth with his presence anyway? Think about it. It's like, just let's say this, this church right here, this physical building is the Garden of Eden. Everything outside this didn't have his presence. Wouldn't it have been easier if God just filled the whole earth with his presence? And we could be happily in the garden right now. <laughs> I don't know. We'll be happily like spending time with God with no problems, no worries. But he, but he put a boundary around the garden of Eden. But then he goes to man, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, and fill it with my presence. It was Adam and Eve's job to go beyond the garden. But we wouldn't know that if we don't build ourselves. And the way that God um, started to build with Adam. He said, name everything in the garden. Why didn't God just name him? He named Adam. He might as well name everything else. He literally named it at creation. He didn't just say, he didn't just say the, the skies and every little creepy thing. I probably, he probably went, uh, ants, tiger, lion, whatever it may be. Why don't you just tell Adam the name? but he wanted Adam to build himself. Because the one thing that Adam doesn't have that you have today, which is an advantage, is your past. Adam had no past. Adam had nothing to live on. He was created as a man. You have an advantage before, like, before Adam. Adam had nothing, you have your past. You think your past is worthless? It's not, it means everything. Are we all right this morning? about building ourselves. God's only plan was for his presence to fill the earth, but for us to do it. You are not God's plan B. You are not God's plan B. If you ever heard that in church, don't believe that. For, for us to say that God had a plan B means that he knew he was going to make a mistake. Christ is not plan B. Christ was the only solution. You're not God's plan B. You're his only plan. That's how significant you are. That's how significant I am. 
There's no other plan but me. There's no other plan but you. And for, for you and I to think that we are no, there's another plan. There is no other plan. You're it. I'm it. But how would we know that if we don't build our lives? How do we know that if we don't even spend time with God to understand who we are? I'm so, I'm so inspired. Even though I wrote it, but I feel like I didn't write it. I'm so inspired by the pillar of build. I'm so inspired by the pillar of reach and the pillar of increase. And what, we, what our lead pastors have pushed out to us for this year is that it's inspired me to go a little bit deeper, to understand myself a little bit better. You are here on earth on purpose for a purpose, and God created you on purpose. There was no accident in his mind. Even though your parents may have thought you were an accident, I want to tell you, God knows that you're not an accident. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So if we believe all this to be true, then we need to come to a place that we need to build our lives with intention. I don't think when God created us that he said, she'll be all right. You know, the builders say it a lot. I know builders say it all the time. Um, they, when people load up their trailers, oh, she'll be all right. Even though it's like three meters out, oh, she'll be all right. We're just going down the road. You've probably done that, eh? You're like, you've probably loaded up your car and you know you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. But God didn't have this attitude of she'll be all right. Oh, they'll be all right. Oh, just chuck them in the garden. Oh, they'll be all right. For God to say, oh, you guys will be all right, means that well, there was no planned purpose for you. In the same way, we shouldn't have that attitude about our lives. Let's just be honest for a moment. Do you treat your life that, that way? I'll be all right. I'll just go with the flow. I used to believe go with the flow, but there's no intention behind it. If I have no target, I have no aim. A lot of people are living life without any target in front of them. Like what Pastor just said, aimlessly. They're like, they want to reach somewhere, but they don't know where they're reaching because there's no aim. There's no target anywhere. For example, um, if I talk about myself, I worked at Bunnings. It was for the money, living paycheck to paycheck. It was only for money. But the moment that I started working with intention, it changed my whole life. Let me say this. I started using my workplace to build my life. But how many of us are using, uh, is, uh, our workplace is actually using you? You feel so drained. You feel like you don't want to be there anymore. You don't want to give up. You want to find another job. But God's saying, actually, if you use your workplace with intention, I'll help that build your life. The reason why I preach the way I preach and the way I pastor the way I pastor is because of my workplace. It's not because of ministry and it's not because of church. I'm sorry, it's not because of church and it's not because of ministry. The reason why I'm the way I am is because of my workplace, because I use my workplace to train me. I had to deal with people that are worse than you. That you guys are pretty good. Like, seriously, swear words, cussing at me, my fault for everything. But actually, God used that to help me love them, even when I wanted to chuck something at them. God showed me how to use grace, how to love the unlovable, and how to not waver from my faith. True story. People will put $50 notes on, on the table. Jordan, swear, I'll give you $50 right now. 
True story. Builders will bring money and put it on the table and say, Jordan, swear, ask God for forgiveness after. That was normal. That was literally normal for me in my workplace. But I used that to continue showing my faith. I didn't use the $50. I left the $50. But I used that moment to show God in, those, in the midst of that circumstance. Even to them, it was funny. But to me, I was like, no, I'm not going to waver it. Because even if I took the $50, said the swear and asked God for forgiveness, it wouldn't be sincere. Building with intention is just not a spiritual aspect of your life. We always think when it comes to Christianity, it's the Bible, it's praying, it's coming to church. All those are things that are important. But it's actually also your day-to-day life. What you do every day, whether you be a mother at home, a father at home, whether you work in a factory, whether you work in homes, whatever you may do, God wants to use that to build your life. But majority of the time I can say, and I, I know this from experience, is that we, we see the work that we're doing insignificant and nothing that could build our life. But let me tell you, if you turn around your, your perspective about your workplace, trust me, that will start working for you, not you working for it. The hardest part of building with intention is actually letting go of things. Because you, when, you, when you're building, if it's, like, if, it's, if it's like this building here, we take this building for example, we actually had to let go of a lot of things so that we could build something. And one of the hardest things that I know that many face, the hardest thing to let go when building with intention is your past. And when I say your past, I'm not just talking about past, past, past. But I'm talking about mistakes from your past. Things that, that, that pushed you down and made you feel insignificant. Those moments. You know those moments? Can you recognize those moments? Oh, man, I've done so, so many dumb stuff. If I think about myself right now, I've done so many dumb stuff. I have. I have. Amen. And you're probably looking at back at yourself and like, actually, I have done some dumb stuff too. I'm with you, Pastor Jordan. I'm with you. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> But if you only focus on your past, you will trip up on your future. If you only focus on your past, you will always trip up on your future. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the love of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. It doesn't say let God strip you off. It says let you strip off. God's not going to strip that off for you. The things in your life that you need to let go, God is not going to come from heaven to strip that off you. We have to make that decision. Whatever that may, it may look like, you might need some help. Then find somebody in this house to go, hey, I need your help. I need your help to strip this weight from me. I don't longer want to carry it anymore. It's heavy. That's what the church is for. It's not here just to listen to a sermon and sing some songs. We're here to help each other out. So let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So there's a race that God set before us, but there's things that we have to let go. But for us to build with intention, with us to build our lives right, we have to let go of some things. 
which means majority of us probably deal with have to deal with pride. Pride. I know for I hear it um, sometimes with husbands, is um, like, and even like our partners in that. It's real weird because me and my wife have this conversation all the time, just on the way partners and marriages treat each other. I have a big concern. My wife will just go to me, hey, I'm going, like, <laughs> I'm telling on you. <laughs> nah, it's good stuff. She just goes to me like this. She goes, babe, um, I'm going out with the girls in uh, June. I'm going to go, oh, July. We're going to go out to um, Wairapa. I'm like, sweet, no problem. But every time I hear it from somebody else, they're like, oh, I've got to see, oh, so I'm babysitting? If you're the parent, you don't babysit. And then she goes to me, like, literally, like, probably a couple hours later or, like, a day later, oh, babe, I'm going to go one love in Tauranga in January. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sweet ass. And you know why I'm telling you this? It's because, men, be better to your wife. But also, ladies, be better to your husband. I don't know why I brought that up. It's probably for some couples in here. <laughs> Just chill out, you know? Have fun with your life. If you're always at church, doing church stuff, that's boring. I'm just telling you the truth. It's boring. If your life just revolves around church, you've got a boring life. Have fun with your family and friends. Burning with intention means stripping off every week that slows us down. It can be a habit, whatever that habit may be. This might be sore, but it might be a friend. It might be family. You think family is not a problem? Trust me, families can become a problem. I hear, it, I hear it like family over everything, but I don't believe that. My family's not over everything. My family are important. My son's important. My, my, my wife's important. But my relationship, my relationship with God is the utmost importance. Is that with my relationship with God, if that's the top priority of my life, my wife and my son get the best. The moment that I put people in place of God's place is the moment where things crumble. And so we have to be honest with ourselves. What are some things that are actually slowing me down? Is it my friends? Is it my family? Is it a habit? Is it something that I keep doing? And if you can't do it on your own, find somebody in the house or find a mentor to go with it through you. So whatever it is, the question I want to ask, are you willing to build your life with intention? The only reason why I say willing is because I know you can do it. The willingness has to come from you. So are you willing to build your life with intention? Are we all right? Cool. My last one, um, something that we went over this week, I'm just going to go in a little bit depth on it, is build with balance. Everyone say balance. 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 Building with balance may sound like an easy task, but it's not. For those who have families and like have like like high jobs where like a lot of things are priorities, it's hard to even balance those things. And balance means this: to bring into harmony. Bring into harmony. There's many um, descriptions of what 
balance means, but I, I love this because it's, it's an action to bring into harmony. So if you think of your lifestyle, do you find it hard to balance? Like ask that yourself, like, do I find my life hard to balance? Cool. So you've got friends, you've got family, work, ministry, maybe sports, church, other extra things to do. And I know sometimes balancing life is hard, and that's when we put our full attention to it. Like, we're balancing life, cool, family, blah, 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 blah. And we got our full attention of how we balance our life, how we balance in our workplace, balancing church, and all that. Now, let's transfer that same attention to you as a person. So, we're like, balancing life, blah, 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 blah. Now, transfer that to you as a person. Do you put the same effort to balance what's happening within you? So, we got all this stuff happening around us, and maybe you put your full attention, like, oh, yeah, put my family there. Yep, work there, yep, church there, blah, 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 that balance. We put a lot of effort in that, but do we put as much effort within us? The balance that's happening within. Are we all right? The problem I see within people is that a lot of people live tilted lives. They live life like this, within themselves. They live life tilted. There's an imbalance within people especially in the church. It may, be, it may sound like I'm picking on the church. I am. My heart's for the church. My heart's for the body. And if the body's not right, everything out of the church is not going to be right. So there's an imbalance within people. So what are we trying to bring into harmony? So the question is, what am I trying to bring into harmony? And the thing that I'm trying to bring into harmony is my soul and my spirit. Two separate things, my soul and my spirit. What is your soul? Your soul is you. You had a soul before you had a body. Your soul is you, your humanity. Your parents conceived you, but they never conceived your soul. God did. You have a soul, you have a spirit, and you have a body. The body only follows either what the soul or spirit is doing. So I'm not bringing the body into it because the body is moved with the other two. The balance we need to make is the soul and the spirit. The soul is the true you. The soul is the true you. Not the fake person that you maybe come to church with, put on a mask and everything's okay. I'm talking about the soul is the true you. The you that at home, the you at the work, you at the other place. Hello? And the thing is, God didn't give us a soul to neglect. But it does get neglected. Because we are so focused on the spirit that we forget that we have a soul. When it comes to Christians, I'm talking to myself as well, we are very good at doing the spiritual aspects that helps us build us, but terrible at feeding our soul. We always talk about, when I, I heard it growing up, is that, oh, the soul is bad. The soul is naughty. The soul is... Nah, you can't, nothing. They always made the soul look so bad, but the soul was me. And when I look at scripture, God's trying to save our soul. So why, why, why are we preaching a message that the soul is bad if God's trying to save it? It must be really good if he's trying to save it. God must count me as significant if he's trying to save my soul. He's seen his son to save what? Your soul. 
Not your body. Your body's going to stay here, but you're going to live with them. Your soul is as important as your spirit. And we need to learn how to build a balance. I want to show you this in scripture so you don't think I'm lying. Okay? Okay? Got to put a Bible onto it so you don't think I'm lying. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, what? Completely. Not spiritually. Completely. And may your whole what? Spirit, soul, and body. He's trying to sanctify you completely, your spirit, soul, and body. Not just your spirit, your soul and body. That's how significant your soul is, because it's you. And your body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord. So what does building with balance look like? If you think about it, what does, balance, uh, what does that um, building with balance look like? The question I want to ask you, are you an unhappy Christian? Are you an unhappy Christian? It's an honest question. You might think, oh, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's not. Because we have so many Christians so depressed in life because there's no balance within them. We have more happy people outside the church than in the church. That's a problem. And I'm not saying that they can't be happy, but you're saved. You know where you're going. They don't know where they're going. That You know God. But for some reason, we're still unhappy. That's the truth. And the question you need to ask yourself, actually, I'm saved. Yeah, cool. But I'm, am I happy? It sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. Like, actually, am I happy? Am I a happy, Christian? Why am I just like a Christian that just does the religious things? But am I, am I truly happy where I'm at? We have too many unhappy Christians. Why is this true? The reason why we have many unhappy Christians is because Christians tend to let go of what they love because they're now saved. Saved. Amen. So, okay, I'm not talking about the simple things. You know the simple things. God wants us to get rid of the simple things, but the things you love. You might love um, roller skating, karaoke. Oh, no, you can't go karaoke because that's the devil's music. Like, straight up, what thing did you stop doing because you're now saved? What have you been told because you're saved now that you're not allowed to do because you're saved? And I'm not talking about the simple things. I'm not saying the things that God says not to do. I'm talking about the things that you love that rejuvenates you. Hello? This safe thing has been warped over time. Being safe has been warped over time. That all, we, all I hear, like when, especially when growing up, read your Bible, pray, fast, go to church, sow yourself in the church, and that's it. So cool, that's, that's my spirit. What am I doing with my soul? And the reason why a lot of PKs or pastor kids leave church is because they leave church because they all concentrate on the spirit 
and never their soul. Oh, but Dad, Mom, I love playing sports. No, you can't play sports because it's on a Sunday. So is there no other sports that you can play that's not on a Sunday? There's no alternative. This is like, no. I like Paul Scanlon. Um, a front row knows Paul Scanlon. Um, he says this. I, I put it on screen. So the gap between what your soul loves and the amount of time you spend doing it will be the size of your, your unhappiness. So your soul is here. What you love doing is here. What's the gap between it? How often do you do this? The larger the gap, the larger the unhappiness. The reason why we, the, the church is so unhappy is because there's a huge gap. That they're so focused on their spirit man that they forget they have a soul. They forget they can go out and have go to a restaurant and go eat some food. They forget they can go hang out with their mates. They forget they can go to a concert. Man, I remember going to a concert with Jamaica for 660 last year, and all the Christians were like this. What, a pastor can't go to a concert? <laughs> Makes no sense. And they thought they had to behave. <laughs> Even in Wellington, it happened the same thing. People think they have to behave, but I don't care. Like, you do you, I do me. My soul doesn't love concerts. I love my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so with some of the men you might have to do something that your soul doesn't love because you love your wife so much <laughs> there's a lot of things that I do that I don't love but I do it because I love my wife so I expect it to come back <laughs> amen to the men eh? like if I wouldn't do this with you you better do something for me <laughs> I sow and I reap, okay? Like, that's the, that's the attitude. But, yeah, the, the gap between your soul and what you love to do, how big is the gap? Because I can encourage you, oh, man, Jesus is going to do amazing things and say that, like, God has a plan and purpose for you. But if we can't just live life normally, how can you find your purpose? Do you think Jesus spent all his time in the te temple? He didn't. There was moments in his life that he did. But the majority of the time, he was on the road dealing with people. I would picture Jesus, a person running around being a kid. But he was that kid that was good. I'm not saying my son's not good. I'm just saying he must have been good because he was perfect. But Jesus was human. I'm sure he would have been funny with the boys. But for some reason, we put Jesus in this... Big ass pedestal like he wasn't a human. He was just like you and I. The only difference is he knew he was, who, who he was. I think he even knew who he was when he was born. Because it said, it said in the word that he leaped for joy. Oh no, um, uh, John leaped for joy when he came into with, in contact with um, Jesus in the womb. And I'm like, yeah, that happened with Jesus too. He probably did the same thing. Psalms 23. It's one of the um, verses that we read this week. Is that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores what? My soul. I want to make an emphasis there. He restores what? Your soul. He doesn't restore your spirit. He restores your soul by still waters. 
And the question I want to ask us, do you have still waters? And the still waters in your life will be the things that you love. I know some people, when they come to church, they feel rejuvenated. This may be where their soul gets boomed. My soul doesn't get boomed in the house. That's, that's not how I'm programmed. Like, I, I, like me preaching, my soul's not by still waters. <laughs> my soul's by still waters when I'm at home. That's my still waters. My soul by still waters is when I'm hanging out with people who are feeding into me. It's my still waters. Um, other times is when I'm watching a movie, going to the movies with my wife, or going out for dinner with my wife, or taking my son out. Like we go random times, going to a to stay at a hotel just for the night, just because it's I don't know why not. <laughs> I, I don't know just why not. Well, like we'll just go stay at a hotel for the night. My son loves it. That's my still waters. When I see my son leap with joy, that's where my soul gets restored. When I see my wife being what she is and what she does for not only for this house but throughout the nation for her photography, for her graphic design, that's my still waters. When you get into your calling and you, when you start your business or when you, when, you, when you do the things that God called you to do, I feel like that's my still waters too. Because I get encouraged. What's your still waters? I know Pastor Fina and uh, the pastors love restaurants. Love restaurants. Love eating. Um, and love getting their manicure, love getting their nails done, their feet done. That's your still waters. What's your still waters? If you don't know what your still waters is, it means that you've neglected your soul. Because the psalmist says this, he makes me lay, lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Like, we can be all spiritual about this, but David goes by still waters to restore his soul. We need to find our still waters. Hence the reason why we're putting so much emphasis on your family and on, on, on your life because we, we try to stop as much church stuff that clashes with your life. Because church is not the thing that changes you. Church is a, like an a avenue. Church is like a, an extension, but it's not everything. Like coming into the building is not everything. You spending time with each other through a meal is important, whatever that may look like. Whatever your soul loves, I want to encourage you to do it more often. Write it down this week. If you go this week and go, okay, where's my still waters? Cool. How many hours do I do that a week? If you notice you're doing like one hour a week, that's a problem. Are you telling me you only restore your soul for one hour a week? Find that still water place for you. And do it more often. Whether it be with your family, whether it be yourself. I don't know. Just do something. God designed us to be balanced, not tilted. Ask one of the keys. I pray that, um, as I spoke, that things got revealed to you on where you were at with your build. And um, 
everyone can sit down, but um, I want to ask those who want to stand up. And, they, and you notice that you're living a tilted life. I want to ask you to, to stand where you are. If you know that you're living a tilted life and you're not balanced, the standing up is not nothing spiritual. The standing up is saying, God, I'm making a decision today to stop living a tilted life, but live with balance. So just stand where you are. For those who know that they're living un, like tilted life, just stand and just go, God, I'm just making this decision. This is between you and God, no one else. That's why I'm only asking you to stand. if that's you, you know that you're living a tilted life, just stand. And then with your heart towards God's heart, just tell Him, God, I'm willing to take that step today to not live a tilted life anymore, but live with balance. I want to remind you this morning that God's concerned with your everyday. God's concerned with you for your everyday things that you do. You think he's only concerned about ministry? No, he's concerned about your life. He's also concerned when you're going through a rough time, he sees it. He knows that you're struggling, he sees it. He's concerned about it. He knows that when you start crying, that he'll collect your tears and use it as anointing for you. So I want to give this opportunity for anyone this morning. Um, they either walked away from God or haven't accepted God into their life this Jesus that I'm talking about and you want to make that decision this morning can I just ask you just where you are just to raise your hand so I can see so you, if you want to rededicate your life again to God or accept Him for the first time can you just raise your hand just where you are so I can just see you if there's anyone I see you Is there anyone else? I see you. I see you. If that's you, I want to ask us to do something real bold right now. Just to move up your seat to come to the front so we can... Um, pray for you individually so if that's you even if you have to grab somebody to come help you come step in the front just come God wants to do something significant within you just come Is anyone else? They've either walked away or that you need to rededicate your life for the first time. Or I just want to give you that invite. 
want anyone to miss out when they leave this place. Let me tell you that heaven rejoices even when one comes. That all of heaven's rejoicing. They're having a party. So I want to pray a prayer before um, they pray for them. But I want us to say it together. We've got to help them out. So let's pray. I just want to ask you guys to repeat up for me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and make me new. I acknowledge that you died and rose again for me. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm your masterpiece. I believe this right now. I give you my heart. I give you my all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand just where you are.